Welcome, welcome, welcome. So good to be alive. So good to be here. I'm ready to, to send this word out to you. And I pray it blesses you. I'm going to pray for just a second. Lord, this is the moment. <laughs> this is the moment we need you. Um, I'm going to selfishly pray for just clarity, excitement, energy, passion. God, give it to me now to speak your word. But not only do I pray for me, God, I pray for the ears that are going to hear. Give them open hearts. Give them open ears. Give them receptive hearts. Give them excited ears. Because God, you want to speak through them. So get Jackson Candy out of the way so you can say whatever you need to say. In Jesus' name, let's do this thing. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm going to be in Philippians one, this is kind of a part two from last week. So kind of. I'm going to use some of the same scriptures that I used, uh, but kind of take it in a different way. We did not talk about Philippians last week, but I want to talk about it this week. And I'm going to start in Philippians 1, verse 15. And hurry up if you're going to turn there. Verse 15 says this, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here. So I'm going to pause because I want to talk about that. Knowing that I am put here. I have two words that we're going to be talking about for the majority of our time together. One is confidence and the other is certainty. And maybe you think those mean the same things, but I'm going to argue they don't for our time together. But Paul was confident, and that's what I'm going to argue, is that we should be confident because we can't always be certain. The latter do so out of love. This is still verse 16. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here. Knowing that I am put here. Do you know God knows where to put you? <laughs> I don't know if that encourages you as much as, as it encourages me, but sometimes I just want God to remind me, Jackson, you're where I want you to be. You're in the rooms I want you to be in. You're in the situation I want you to be in. You're, you're in the city I want you to be in. You have the amount of money I want you to have. You have the amount of friends I want you to have. Jackson, right now, you are where I want you. Fill in the blank with your name there because God knows where to put you. God knows where to put you. That's, that's why you can be confident. That's why you can be confident. So Paul said, knowing that I am put here. Now here for Paul was not the Caribbeans. It was in chains for Christ. He was in prison. And that's not really my message today where, you know, your circumstance doesn't dictate the attitude you have because you can be free in your mind even though you're not free in your circumstance. That's a great sermon and you should preach that one, but not this week. That's not what I'm preaching about. But I do want to mention the fact that the most encouraging letter we have, which is what most theologians call Philippians, comes out of a prison cell. So Paul had the confidence to know that wherever I am, God put me here. Just say that about yourself because you've been doubting and, and, and it's okay. 
But just say that about yourself. God put me here. Knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me. But while I am in chains, but what does it matter? <laughs> but what does it matter? I love how the message translates that. It says, Paul says in the message, I've decided I don't really care. <laughs> oh, I just gave you the key to peace. I'm going to have to make a clip out of this part right here. The key to peace. The key to peace is you've got to stop caring about stuff that doesn't matter. And I could put an expletive where I said stuff. <laughs> you've got to stop caring. Paul says, but what does it matter? And I love how the message translates. Says, I've decided I don't really care. There are some things that you have to just not care about. Now, you have to care about some stuff, you know, but, but, but there is some stuff, there is some stuff you're, you're stressed about right now that doesn't matter. There's some stuff that I'm all worked up about, and it really, but what does it matter? But, but I've decided I don't really care, Paul said, because he, he wants to have confidence and the one way to lose your confidence is to worry about things you can't control. I've decided I don't really care. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Now, I like how he starts that sentence. The important thing is, the important thing is, what you put next determines a lot about your life, about your confidence, about your peace, about your sanity. The important thing is, and we all have something in that blank. The important thing is I have X amount of money in the bank account. Okay, that's fine. Uh, but when the economy turns or when you lose your job or when something out of your control happens and, and the amount drops, then, then when the amount drops, so does your confidence. So does your peace. If it's the important thing is status, then when someone unfollows you and, and, and they don't invite you, then, then you lose who you are. So you have to be careful what you put in that blank. The important thing is, Paul said, for me, the important thing is that, that Christ is preached, that the gospel goes forth, that God's plan continues. That's the important thing to me. So whether it's from false motives or from good motives, I don't really care because the important thing to me is that God's plan moves forward. And guess what? You're not on God's board of elders. And I'm not on his committee that helps him make decisions. God does his own thing. God makes his own decisions. God is a big boy. And so he doesn't consult me and he doesn't consult you. And he doesn't consult how we feel about things when he makes a decision, when he makes a plan. And so the best thing to do is align your heart with God's priorities. It's a lot easier to just get behind what God's doing 
than to try to get God behind what you're doing. And so Paul said, I've decided I don't really care what your motives are. Because the important thing is Christ is preaching. Here's the thing. It's kind of impossible to know somebody's motives. Oh, they're just in it for the money. Oh, they're just in it for the fame. Oh, they're just in it for the this. You don't know that. Only God can see within the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. You don't know. You don't know if that, oh, that person's so cocky and selfish. You don't know that. They could be insecure and scared and overcompensating. So you don't know. And Paul knew he didn't know. So the best thing he could do was to not try to judge someone else's motives and just try to say, look, if they're preaching the gospel, if they're on my side, I don't really care because I'm not the judge here. God will take care of them. I am confident that God's plan will come through, even though I don't really know. The important thing is, blah, blah, blah. yes, verse, still verse 18. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Verse 22. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not. No, I do not know. I don't know, Paul said. Paul, the apostle Paul said, I don't really know. I don't really know. It's a mystery. Uh, uncertainty and mystery are the building blocks to faith. <laughs> yeah. They're the building blocks. They're what God uses to lay the foundation for your faith. So I told you the two words I want to talk to you about today. One is, one is certainty and the other is confidence. And they, they're not the same. They're different. So bear with me while I give you kind of a silly illustration. This morning, I went to the gym. That already happened. I'm certain that that happened. I am confident that I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow morning and work out. Because I work out six days a week. I take a rest day. But tomorrow's not my rest day. <laughs> so I'm confident I'll go tomorrow, but I'm not certain. They could come out with another string, a Delta 2.0, a COVID-19 times two. I don't know. Something else could drop tomorrow and all the gyms could shut down. So I'm not certain because there are some things out of my control. I could be driving down the road tomorrow on the way to the gym listening to Donda and get smacked by 18-wheeler and... You know, it's gross and it's terrible to think about. But I'm just saying, there are some things in life I don't control. 
there are some aspects of this life that I don't know. Paul said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Now I'm confident. I'm confident. I'm confident. Faith is confidence. But I'm not certain. Now, now I told you this is part two. So this is a passage we looked at last week. And now I want to talk about it today. Mark 4, 26. He also said this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. And last week, we remember that message is called Ask for Empty. And I was talking about how the moment where you release the most seed, where you've sown the most is where you feel the most empty. So maybe if you feel empty, that might be the space that God has left so he can fill it. God, that was a good message. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, verse 27. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and go- grows. So the man scatters seed. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. So it doesn't matter what the farmer does after he's sown the seed. Sometimes you need to take a nap. Sometimes you've done everything you can do and the rest is up to God. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how, because it's a mystery. I mean, now we know because we have microscopes and we have science and we have Google and we can figure out, you know, what happens to the seed. But in this context, the farmer just knew I put the seed in the ground and it grows all by itself. The soil produces grain. So I don't produce the grain. I'm just the farmer. The soil produces the grain. How? I don't know. First the stalk, then the head, then the kernel, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, puts a sickle to it, the harvest has come. But he does not know how. He does not know how. So, the farmer's lack of knowledge does not keep him from sowing. So, God will intentionally put you in a place where you don't know everything. God will intentionally put you in a circumstance where you don't have all the details. Why? He wants you to trust him more than you trust in yourself. So sometimes God will allow you to be in a situation where you have to sow when you don't know. And God wants you in that space so that you will be humble. God wants you to sow in the mindset that God, I'm putting this seed down on the ground and and it's a mystery to me. It's a mystery to me. I don't know how it's going to work. It's a mystery to me. But I'm trusting that if I put the seed in the ground, that if I give it over to you, God, that you'll make it grow. I'm, I'm confident. <laughs> I'm not certain. So God wants you in that space of uncertainty so you can trust in his divinity. But the enemy wants you in uncertainty as well. 
But the reason he wants you in uncertainty is so you stay stuck. The enemy wants to convince you since you don't know, since you don't know how, you, 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 you can't sow, you can't go, you can't do it because you don't have all the details yet. You don't know how it's all going to work out yet. There's, some, there's still some things you're not certain about yet. So, so, so don't sow. The Bible calls the enemy the deceiver, the father of lies. So he will distort the truth. You don't know. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. But what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So does my lack of knowledge mean I won't so? Or does my lack of knowledge mean I will so? I got to be honest. I was kind of uncertain about this message. It's funny. I'm preaching on uncertainty. And I was just really uncertain about this message. And then I got a DM this morning. Um, and this guy was asking me a question. And he said, how do you know the will of God? And I was like, you don't. You only know the Father. You can't know the Father's will. Because we want to use God like a genie. God, tell me what to do. God, tell me where to sow my seed. God, tell me how it's all going to work out. And what we want is not faith. What we want is certainty. We don't want confidence in God. We want certainty in our circumstance. And God said, I intentionally, I intentionally put you in a situation where you don't know everything. So you still have to depend on me. If you want absolute certainty, if you want total independence, if you want to be all by yourself, if you want to do it all yourself, if you want to wake up at 4 a.m. and hustle and grind and do it all yourself, you go at it, my man. You go get it. You go get it. But just know, it's God that makes the seed grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man scatters seed. But God makes it grow. And there is some stuff you don't know. You don't know everything. <laughs> this lady told me in a coffee shop a little bit ago, she said, you know, Jesus is coming back soon. I didn't say it, but I was thinking, you don't, you don't know that. Jesus even said in Mark 7, right here, Mark 7, no, Mark 13, 32. About that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, that's Jesus, by the way, only the Father, no one knows, not the angels, not Jesus, not you, not me, there is some stuff, whoo, you don't know, you don't know, you could try your best you don't know. You can. You need to sow. You need to invest in the relationship because God can't grow what you don't sow. But confidence is your ability to sow without knowing. Because every miracle starts with a mystery. Every miracle 
starts with a mystery. The man puts the seed in the ground, though he does not know how. Though he does not know. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Every miracle starts with a mystery. I don't think Peter knew how to walk on water. I don't think he knew how to defy the laws of gravity. I don't think he knew how. I just think he did. I don't think Mary, the mother of Jesus, knew how to give birth and raise the savior of the world. I don't think she knew how. I just think she did. I don't think Philip knew how to take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 men, plus their women and children. I don't think he knew how. I just think he did. I don't think Moses knew how to stand in front of a sea and let the waters part so he could take the nation of Israel through it. I don't think he knew how, but I think he just did. I don't think Joseph knew how to preserve the lineage of the future nation of Israel in a famine by being sold as a slave, but I think he did. Because every miracle starts with mystery. So the key that unlocks breakthrough is not your knowledge and it's not your certainty. The key that unlocks breakthrough is what Ezekiel said in the valley of dry bones, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Sovereign Lord, you alone know. God asked him, can these bones live? Ezekiel had the best answer in the Bible. I don't know, you know. I don't know, you know, God. Paul said, I don't know these people's motives, so I'm not gonna judge their actions. You know. When, when, when Samuel went to pick the next king after Saul, he wanted to pick Eliab because he was looking at outward appearance. But God knew something that Samuel didn't know. Samuel didn't know that the next king of Israel was out in the field. And, and was the unlikely choice. <laughs> he didn't know that. But God knew. And I don't think Abraham knew. When he was going. And y'all are going to have to. Bear with me for a second. But I don't think Abraham knew. What he was really doing the whole time. Because Hebrews 11.8 says this. By faith, when Abraham called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance. So God told him, and this is in Genesis 12, go to the land I will show you. <laughs> Y'all, that's, that's how God leads. Go and I will show. Go while you don't know. Go and I will show you. Go to the land. Which land, God? I will show you. 
I will show you. So Hebrews 11.8, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance. So he was going to a place he would later receive, later. So the place he was going through now would later be his inheritance. What you're going through now will later be the thing you look back on and say, that's my inheritance. What you're going through, what God is leading you through right now. You're, 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 you're in it right now. And it doesn't make sense. And you don't understand it because you're too close to see what it really is. So when God gives you some distance, when God gives you some time, when God gives you some perspective, when God gives you some wisdom, you will learn, oh, it was good for me that I was afflicted. Oh, God, thank you for taking that away. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know it at the time. God, thank you for not giving me what I want. Thank you for giving me what I need. So God led him to the place that would later be his inheritance. He didn't know that he was walking into his inheritance. He just knew he was following God because you don't always know why you're doing what you're doing. That's why it's called obedience. It would just be reason. It wouldn't be called obedience. It would just be called rational thinking if you only did things that made sense. <laughs> I'm getting a phone call right now. <laughs> he would later receive his inheritance. And he obeyed. He didn't know why. He didn't know why he was going through what he was going through. He didn't know why he was facing what he was facing. He didn't know why he was up against what he was up against. But he obeyed. And went. Even though. Whew, Hebrews 11.8. This is a good verse. Y'all should memorize this one. Even though. He did not know where he was going. Some of the things God's going to do in your life, some of the things God's going to give you, some of the blessings you're going to receive, some of the inheritance that you're going to walk into are going to be through moments of obedience where you don't understand what is happening. You don't know, and that's okay. That's the title of my message. You don't need to put a slide up because I said it's so late. You don't know, and that's okay. You don't need to know everything right now. You don't need to have a plan, a 10-year plan. God knows the plans he has for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Those are God's plans. You don't know those plans. What is God's will for my life, the guy said in the DMs? You don't know. I don't know. If I knew God's will, if I knew God's plan, if I knew the future, I'd be investing. I wouldn't be making this video. I'd be investing in all the next stocks that were about to blow up. And I'd be a millionaire, billionaire, trillionaire, whatever comes after that. But because I don't know, because uncertainty and mystery are the building blocks of faith, there are some things you don't know. There are some things you don't understand. <laughs> and that's okay. All right, so I'm going to close with this. And I'm out of your way. 
and last week we talked about the prodigal son remember this is kind of a part two so we talked about the prodigal son and he came in and he he asked for his inheritance but he asked for it early so he went off and he wasted it and you probably know the story where he comes home and the father receives him and the father doesn't look at him based on his past based on his mistakes based on what he went through based on his 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 sin based on his whatever but God saw him for him and the father said get in here get the ring get the calf let's party and the older brother was out in the field and he was like what's happening what's going on uh so the message is what I'm going to read this out of starting in uh, Luke 15 verse 25 all this time his older brother was out in the field When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and the dancing. What's going on? So calling over to one of the houseboys, he asked, what's going on? He told him, your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef, because he has him home, safe and sound. The older brother stalked off in in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look how many years I've stayed here, serving you, never giving you one moment of grief. But you have thrown a party, but have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? This is what, this is, (laughs) then this son of yours, who has thrown away your money on whores and shows up and you go all out with a feast, Here's where I want to preach. That was a lot of reading. Verse 31. His father said, his father said, who said it? His father said, son, you don't understand. You don't understand. You're with me all the time. And everything that is mine is yours. That's what the father, he's saying, you look around. You see that calf? You see that field? You see that house? You see those servants? Those are yours, baby boy. You were with me the whole time. And everything that was mine, it's yours. You're mad. Because... The father, or the son took his inheritance. You've already got everything. You've already got the father. You've already got everything. You already have his love. You already have his grace. You already have his healing. You already have his restoration. You already have his power living on the inside of you. You already have it. He said, the father said, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. That's better. That's better. That's better than gold. That's better than silver. That's better than followers. That's better than a fattened calf. That's better than a ring. That's better than a robe. That's better than sandals. You are with me the whole time. The Father is better. And everything that is mine is yours. So God wanted me to say to you, you already have what you're looking for. You're looking for peace, but you have the prince 
of peace. You're looking for energy, but the Holy Spirit came to give you power. You're looking for focus, but God said, define your priorities and I'll give you the focus you need. You don't understand. You don't understand. You don't know. That's okay. There's still some things that you're gonna have to just figure out with time. God's still growing you. It's called maturing. That's normal. You don't, you're not supposed to know. You're not gonna have it figured out by 20. You're not gonna have it figured out by 30. You're probably not even gonna have it figured out by 40, 50. Because every time you get to the next level, God's gonna call you higher. And he's gonna call you further. And he's gonna call you deeper. And he's gonna make you go through things that are uncertain because he doesn't want you to trust in the circumstance. He wants you to trust in him. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to know everything. Father, I thank you for this child right now that's listening to this message right now that's just standing, sitting, laying, crying, laughing, rejoicing because you love them. You don't understand, the father said. <laughs> You're with me now. And everything I have is yours. You know the father saying that to you today? My grace is yours. My love is yours. It's all yours. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.